Hello and welcome to Amplify. Music from Barry O'Halpin, his Lethargerian performed by Crash Ensemble. This week we mark the 25th anniversary of Crash Ensemble with interviews with Kate Ellis, the artistic director of the group, and Donica Dennehy, one of the Crash Ensemble's founders and the first artistic director. I'm Jonathan Grimes and this is episode 78. I'm joined once again by CMC director Yvonne Ferguson. Hi Yvonne. Hi Jonathan. So earlier this month, New Music Group The Crash Ensemble celebrated its 25th anniversary with a film screening and weekend of concerts at the National Concert Hall. And given the impact that the group has had on the new music scene here and abroad, we thought we'd mark this occasion here on the podcast. Well, we both remembered well Jonathan when Crash Ensemble burst onto the scene in 1997. It was viewed with great anticipation and excitement and viewed as a new approach to the presentation of new music and audiences were really interested in hearing repertoire which wasn't so often heard here in Ireland at the time. Works by Louis Andreessen, the spectral composers from France and the use of multimedia in performance. And with these events celebrating 25 years of Crash Ensembles, the screenings and the two concerts, like a mini festival, Crash Ensemble highlighted the artists they've engaged with more in recent years, both from Ireland and from abroad. So it was very much a a look at their current work in that sense. No trip down musical memory lane for Crash, no retrospectives, but a showcase of the here and now, their here and now. So you'll hear two conversations now from the current artistic director, Chalice Kate Ellis, which was recorded at the National Concert Hall on the 1st of December and with Donica Dennehy, recorded remotely from his home in the US on the 7th of December. Here they are. Kate, I'm speaking to you just before uh, rehearsals for Crash Ensemble's 25th celebration concerts. It's a big week for you and everyone in Crash, isn't it? It's a huge week. Despite it being the 25th year, I think it's a significant time in the sense that the last few years have been very difficult for everybody. And I think performance has been very difficult and maintaining the sense of an ensemble has been quite tricky, actually. So I think this year has kind of felt like we've really pushed the boat out. We spent a lot of time together. We've had the very fortunate opportunity to play a lot this year. So this kind of feels like kind of solidifying that feeling and that sense of ensemble and that sense of a core group of players and celebrating 25 years of the ensemble. Earlier this week, we had this reaction screenings, which I was at. And that, I suppose, was part of the work that the that the group did during the, the two year COVID pandemic period. Yes. Yeah, so 
as things in 2020 were shutting down, we were kind of racking our brains to think of a project that would have some significance to us, both as performers, but also the creative people we work with. And then how do, do we commission composers in a really significant way that's not playing Facebook Live from someone's bedroom or, you know, we wanted to, do, we wanted to create kind of a, a project that had a bit of a legacy. So across 2020 and 21, 17 reactions commissioned uh, commissions were workshopped, recorded, filmed. And the screening that was on this week it was the first time they'd been shown on a big screen, so it was in the iFi. And for me, it felt very significant in terms of that was the end of that. And that was the end of that that kind of period of isolation and that, that period of time. That music has just been released on a double album. It's a lovely legacy to have of that particular time. <laughs> Marking a sort of a 25th anniversary of a group or any any ensemble, you know, that's a that's a kind of a significant point to kind of look back on and also take stock of the now. What defines Crash in 2022 artistically and musically, would you say? I'd say quality. I would say integrity, both musically and artistically. We push the boundaries, we explore, we collaborate, we develop very strong relationships with composers throughout the compositional process, which is quite rare. I would say we're very bold and we will continue to be bold. <laughs> bold in what sense? In, in Courageous or bold in, in the Irish sense? You're very bold. Both. We're bold, we are fun, <laughs> we know how to have fun and we are continually looking for ways to present music in different ways. We're looking to highlight the music both from Irish composers and also from international composers in new ways and to the highest standard. I know you weren't with the group 25 years ago. You joined probably 2007? 2002. 2002. Well, kind. I played first in 2002 and then sort of a little bit in 2003 and then it just morphed into more. So that's 20 years. That's a significant mm -hmm. amount of time. So you've seen most of Crash's sort of de development, you know, by yeah. the first five years. What would you say have been the constants in the group over that period? I mean, does there continue to be some sort of core artistic values that have remained the same from those early years or has it would you say evolved over time I think the constant is the players actually and the musicians I think as you know some of the musicians when Crash was founded some of those musicians are still playing with us today I think essentially our job is to commission new music. Our job is to play new music and perform new music. And that's always been the same. 
like I was saying, you know, the presentation of those things maybe changes or the thinking and the thinking around commission, the commissioning process and the performing process changes. But essentially, that's what it is. That, that is what we do. In terms of, you know, developing as a group and keeping that kind of freshness and vitality over the years, how do you kind of keep that energy going? Imagination. <laughs> you have to have a very good imagination. Also, people, always many brains are better than one brain. And we have a really, really brilliant team of people who we work with, creative thinkers. And we do rely on those people heavily. I think imagination and maybe getting as much creative input from as many different people keeps that fresh. So it's that collaborative. Yes. You know, nature, which I guess does go back to, you know, the, those early days, as I remember, this sort of multidisciplinary type um, uh, vibe to the group, yep. which, you know, 25 years ago was really radical, you know, yep. but that's that's kind of maintained and grown and strengthened. and yeah. Um, so working with Irish composers, that's been a big part of the of the group's work, not only from performing new works by Irish composers, but by developing more deeper artistic relationships with particular composers. So allowing them to develop more than just, say, let's say a standard 15 minute commission. Talk to me about this aspect of your work and, and why it's important. So the process that we started a good few years ago was actually with two of the younger composers at the time, Barrio Halpin and Sam Perkin. And what we really wanted to do was to give them the opportunity to write a much larger work for the ensemble. We wanted to allow them to write a very substantial work for the ensemble. And in order to do that, we realised that we'd have to give them lots of time and we'd also have to give them access to the ensemble, let them try work out, let them experiment with the musicians, let them experiment with, again, those creative brains that we have around us and really see how far they could push themselves and use the ensemble as tools, essentially, to push their practice to a certain point that they were happy to produce a, a very substantial body of work. I think it definitely, in the case of both Barry and Sam, you can hear it in the works that they wrote. You can hear it in wing form. You can hear it in Children in the Universe. You can hear the, the direct relationship that they had with the ensemble across those very many number of years. It's a very, very important way to kind of see a commissioning process and to allow composers really to have time and the flexibility and to use the tools, all the tools at their disposal. So how does that work in practice with the group? It depends from commission to commission. 
Looking at Sam and Barry, Sam wrote a series of very short works for different instruments within the group. Uh, we performed his work a lot over the last few years. Barry, the same sort of process. Barry actually came through the Free State process and we performed his piece Lethargerian in the project, I think, in 2014. And at that stage, I kind of spoke to him a little bit and I heard something in his music that I hadn't heard for a very long time. And I asked him to write a short work again for a smaller trio within the ensemble that we took on tour. Then he started playing with the ensemble, so he was kind of integrated in that way as well. So a, a very similar sort of process, just sort of starting in, in a smaller way and enveloping himself within the players, especially performing with the ensemble. He got the opportunity to see how everyone interacts and how individual players react with their instruments. depends on what the desired end result is. With Barry, for example, we commissioned Jack Phelan to create an installation version of Wingform. And that was something that Barry and Jack worked very closely together um, on. With Sam, he wanted to work with Diamanda. So that sort of made a nice kind of use in there. So that was kind of his focus was working with Demanda, also working with Laura Sheeran on the visual element of Children in the Universe. We have a whole series of new commissions lined up which are much more kind of concentrated, longer term commissions for much larger pieces for the ensemble. We have a new work by Andrew Hamilton. That's sort of a 45 minute long work featuring Andrew himself, which we will perform at New Music Dublin next year. Uh, we have a very large new piece by Anne Clear, which will be, again, it's been a very, very long process with both Andrew and both Anne. We have quite a few other of these commissions lined up for the next five years, I think. Mm. These big longer term investment in a composition, but also in a, in a composer. Mm. And do each of those commissions and those composers that you're, that you're working with, presumably the, their needs are different or their requirements are different in terms of in terms of the composer. Yeah, they're, they're totally different, which is right, because the, each one of those names that I mentioned and the others that we're working with, they all have incredibly different needs. So it's a case of having a conversation with them at the very, very start of the commissioning process and continuing that conversation over a number of years to continue to check in with them to see what they need. Again, it's a continuous process and it's a continuous kind of checking in with them to see how they're getting on. Sometimes they just need to talk, which is great. And sometimes it's nothing to do with the commission whatsoever. Sometimes they just need to talk through stuff. 
but yeah it's everyone has a very different need but it's a case of just kind of staying in touch with them and making sure that they actually get what they need from us and do you find that the idea that they might have or ideas that they might have at the start of something like this changes or goes in a different direction yeah i've kind of seen that process quite a bit the initial idea is always there in the end result but it's been fully formed and it's been slightly twisted on its head or so it is there but it does it does change the concept does change and the kind of the thought process behind the work does sort of change does adapt still today people think in terms of or some people not everybody I don't, and I, I think actual musicians don't tend to think in terms of this but the the commentariat shall we say terms tends to think and indeed the funding structure t- tends to think in terms of genres you know classical trad jazz whatever um when it comes to your work with crash and crash's work do you i mean do you make a distinction between those or because you know you've done a lot of collaborations with musicians across you know different genres I mean what are your thoughts on some of that absolutely not I don't think there should be a distinction and I think maybe that's just the way that I work and my own work as Kate aside from Crash I think anyone who writes music is a composer and I think anyone who plays music is a musician and I firmly believe that. And if that needs a label in order for people to understand or put a kind of a sound world on a particular piece of music, then that's fair enough. But I think in, in our own work, we don't tend to use terms of genre. We tend to talk about the music as a whole. I think we are moving away from it, um, you know, certainly within that 25 year span the boundaries are sufficiently blurred that it's not you know i also think that has a lot to do with the fact that all music is so accessible now and i think whoever you talk to about the process of writing music they can cite their influences Mm. and their influences are so broad and across the spectrum of genre you can hear that in people's music you can hear that the lid has been blown open by, by, you know, by the streaming platforms, by the amount of music that is out there and accessible for people to listen to. And they are listening to music. Everybody's listening to music at all times, whether you like it or not. <laughs> you know, the cafe downstairs, there's always music playing. Yeah, it's interesting. I was talking to a composer uh, recently and they were, they were talk- we ended up on, on that same thing. The fact that, you know, young composers and students now, you know, have access to the whole world's music practically yeah you know and and what that does for their compositional development how Mm -hmm. they think how they see music yeah um final question do you have any predictions as to what kind of a group crash will be or where it'll be in 25 years time That's a very tricky question. I'm actually only thinking about today and the fact that I have to go to my rehearsal in about 10 minutes. <laughs> so I'm probably the wrong person to ask about that. But my prediction is that Crash will be still in existence and as bold, if not bolder, and still producing the highest quality work and representing Irish composers and the work of Irish composers and international composers. Yeah, that's what I think.
Kate, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Jonathan. Donica Denny, you are very welcome to Amplify, the CMC podcast, and uh, we're celebrating the 25th anniversary of the foundation of Crash Ensemble. What made you set up Crash Ensemble, Donica, back in 1997? I mean, you know, I was in my 20s. I wanted to bring a certain repertoire into Ireland that we hadn't concentrated on before and also do new stuff myself and new stuff around me. So I just decided I'd set up a group and... uh, a bunch of us together, some friends, me, Andrew Sinnott, Natasha Lohan, Mick Seaver. I mean, and then like even some players who are still in the group, like Susan Doyle, etc. just gathered together. And then the group was founded, really. You know, it was a lot of goodwill from lots of people. Uh, it took a few years before you kind of solidified into a definite group, I would say. But my main impetus for me was just wanting to do stuff, wanting to put on concerts of music that I really loved, develop my own works. I found the first poster actually for the first Crash Ensemble gig in my basement and said, making use of electronics video, you know, like these were on it. And, And that's the case, you know. We were engaging with multimedia as well and amplification and lots of sort of things where the group was directly engaging both with contemporary music and with how most people experience live music too through the lens of amplification as well. Take me back to the first performance in the Samuel Beckett Theatre in Trinity. We had invited over Louis Andreessen as a guest composer to Trinity. And uh, we did this um, concert featuring his work a piece of mine called Junkbox Fraud, which very much exploited the kind of multimedia potential of what I wanted to do with the group, and a piece by Roger Doyle, which was also incorporating instruments and electronics. And we were discussing when we were launching the group, and I was like very idealistic, saying, you know, well, I think we're going to sell out. And I remember I was saying, well, don't be so stupid, Donica, this is new music, never sells out, you know? But we did. And actually there was a line down the block to try and get in. There was great excitement, actually, about something new. And it kind of went from there. It kind of propelled itself uh, from there. It was a kind of an electrifying atmosphere to the first concert, partly because we didn't really know what we were doing either. We were sort of making it up as we went along. What would be the standout memories for you, you know, in terms of Crash over the last 25 years? You know, memorable concerts, projects, pieces, uh, collaborations, you know, composer residencies. What, what are kind of the moments where you, you know, you think back and you think, I'm, I'm really proud of that, or I was really stimulated artistically by this 
thing we did or this project or? I mean, there are so many. It's hard for me even to sort of like pinpoint a few without doing injustice to others. And also, I'm not too big on nostalgia. Like I want to keep going forward. And even though I'm not involved in running the group anymore, still some of my favorite memories even come from just recent years where I've done projects with Crash Ensemble, who I still am very much connected with, actually, artistically. And I have like like very fresh memories, you know, like within the last year of doing great stuff with Crash. So I don't think it's like thinking through sepia colored photos of, of the past, but there is stuff that I have great memories of. I remember we did this concert of Phil Niblock's music in Temple Bar Galleries, took over the entire Temple Bar Galleries. We did it in collaboration with my great friend, Bob Gilmore, who has now passed, unfortunately. And that was a fabulous event, you know, three floors of this gallery, all doing Niblock works of musicians in different parts of it. Um, I think of the premiere of Andrew Hamilton's Music for People Who Like Art, how electrifying that piece was. Andrew just has such an interesting relationship to musical process in his work that I just find really fascinating. I think of these free state concerts. And then, of course, you know, we have these events where we came to Carnegie Hall, the Kennedy Center. They were important for me personally, doing my work, you know, like Grog's Boss, which sort of took off from me as a piece. I still remember the premiere of that piece as fresh as day, again, in the Samuel Beckett Theatre, actually, the same theatre that we had done our first concert in. And again, that kind of feeling of slightly flying by the seat, because in a way there was like, it was such a new departure for me. I felt so nervous about it in a way. And, and yet, you know, when you're taking a risk, that that's an exciting place to be. Talk about, I suppose, the, the personal memories of, of your pieces in particular and your work with the group. I mean, do you see it as being sort of central to your own development as a composer? Oh, yes. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, like when I was writing Graw, I would, you know, meet up with individual players to try out material as I was writing it. You know, I did all these kind of gymnastics almost with harmonics. I don't know if I could have written a piece like that for another group. And even in these recent pieces, the opera, I'm thinking of Crash Ensemble all the time as I'm writing them. And also, you know, sometimes composers sort of shut down into their own world as they get older. If you're putting on these events, you're always being exposed to new music and just the kind of level of keeping you fresh. All of this kind of stuff, uh, it's like food for a composer, you know, like, like reading is for a writer. That's a really kind of refreshing and revitalizing thing as an artist because you know sometimes especially in the days when i was running it before case now you would sort of lament oh i don't have enough free time to do this oh my life is crazy 
but yet there's something about the intensity of your connection with new music then that kind of feeds you as well. So yeah, I have felt that it's been super brilliant for me as a, as a composer. And now, you know, now that I am not connected with it on a day-to-day basis, I miss it too, actually. Dunnick Adenahy in conversation with Yvonne Ferguson. And you can find full details of all the music played during this episode in the show notes or on our website cmc.ie forward slash amplify. That's all for this week. We'll be back again next week with more conversations with Irish composers and musicians. Until then, thanks for listening.